0: Hello and greetings. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for giving us the gift of spending time together as we seek to explore what God has made known for us in Jesus and how we can more effectively serve Him. I'm Ethan. I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're Disciples Making Disciples in Los Angeles. And Today we're going to explore very powerful, important questions for us to consider. What happens if people no longer act as if they know God? And how is it? And why are people destroyed for a lack of knowledge? So what happens when people no longer act as if they know God? And why are people destroyed for lack of knowledge? And these questions are powerful and important because we as humans are creatures who need knowledge. What we mean by that is that on the whole we don't act based on instinct. You know, If you all of a sudden see an object coming towards your face, you, you, your hand goes up, and you don't even really know you're thinking about it. That is more of an instinctual behavior and we can look at many creatures out in the world and see how they uh just have a magnetic sense of knowing where they're flying where they uh, fly back to where they were born or they swim back to where they're born that's very instinctual no one taught them that as human beings there's very few things that we do based on instinct that what we do is what we're taught and we are taught these things and we learn these things uh, be, through the process of uh, learning as small children from our parents, from uh, teachers, from our culture in general, uh, we gain this knowledge and knowledge remains extremely critical in fact uh, knowledge and the access to knowledge has traditionally been the barrier the, and what has just separated out different classes and groups of people because it's very hard to do what you do not know about And it's very hard to know what is not taught or learned. And this is very true in the world and how we uh, live in the world, in in what we consider secular matters. But it's just as true also in the spiritual realm. In Romans chapter 10, uh, Paul says, beginning in verse 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So Paul says here is very important. How are people going to call on Jesus as Lord if they don't believe? And how are they going to believe if they've never heard? And if they've never heard, how are they ever going to hear if somebody doesn't go and tell them, right? So it it shows this line of logic that shows there needs to be preachers. Preachers need to go and tell people what God has done in Jesus so they can accept what God has done in Jesus and then live their lives accordingly. And so that is why it is so important for us to go out and proclaim Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his lordship, and that he is coming back soon. And we see all the time that a lack of knowledge, ignorance presents a lot of problems. In our lives personally, how, how do you feel when you are proven to be ignorant, that uh, you're talking about things that you don't really know about, or uh, you, you have to say that you don't understand something? um that's one of the things that gets to me i i i just just do not do well when those moments happen and therefore i will over prepare myself so that i do not find myself in a position where i am exposed as ignorant uh likewise uh, how many times is false witness born when there is ignorance where people are willing to say outlandish things because they have been They are afraid based upon a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, a lack of experience. And how many are very easily led astray and deceived because they uh, have put their trust in people they shouldn't put their trust in, and they accept inaccurate statements, uh, believing that they are true when they are in fact not true. And that's all the more difficult when there's no critical thinking being exercised. And that's where that deception comes in, if we're not able to test the spirits very well and to accept what is true. And that is when people fall for conspiracy theories and demagoguery. And we can look in the past and see all kinds of horrible examples of this and just wonder how could they believe such things. And yet it's very likely that we ourselves have many similar beliefs. And uh, when it comes to a lack of knowledge, especially in religious matters, we are looking at a time and place where, wow, people just don't know about God as he is manifest in Christ very much. And they're very ignorant of what he has made known in Scripture. Uh, You can look in Western literature uh, throughout most of its history, and you will find it saturated with biblical allusions, because those who wrote those stories were raised and saturated in the stories of what God did in the Old Testament, the New Testament. And all you need to do is, if you happen to be watching the show Jeopardy, look what happens when there is a biblical category. Uh, You will have a lot of people who are clearly incredibly smart, incredibly well-learned, who have an incredible mind for trivia, and yet you can see that what they understand about the Bible is very low and limited. And you might be screaming out the answer, and they're not hearing you uh, because of that divide. And so we have to ask the question, well, how can people be saved in their ignorance? And in truth, they really can't be. People reject Christianity. Uh, we know that's for certain, but what, they don't really know what they're rejecting. And what they reject tends to be uh, a counterfeit version uh, that they see uh, in the world, uh, where you have plenty of people who would profess Jesus who also are acting in ignorance. And I because, because this is not even just a cultural matter. This is also, to our shame, something uh, we see also among the people of God that there was a day and time when even those who did not agree with us had to confess that we at least knew our Bibles, and we knew the Bibles very well, that we were walking Bibles, so to speak. But could that even be said any longer about us? So what happens, to go back to our question, when people do not really know God? Let's see what the Scriptures teach. And we have to make a very important delineation, that there's different kinds of biblical ignorance, a lack of knowledge. There are some who have no knowledge because they were never taught. They are unintentionally ignorant. Uh, that They don't know about Jesus. Because never Nobody's ever really told them about Jesus. That They have not been taught. They have not been shown the way of Jesus. And these are the ones that we need to tell about Jesus. Because they've never really heard the gospel enough to know whether they should accept or reject it. And that's the question that really comes to us. Are we going out and making disciples and teaching them about Jesus? If they don't, excuse me. If they don't know anything about Jesus. Then we're really truly failing them. And what happens when people do not know what to do? Well, we we have this scene in Hosea chapter four. Uh, Hosea is preaching to Israel and the northern tribes around 760 to 720. Uh, the destruction and exile by Assyria is impending, but Israel does not know it. And we see what happens, that hear the word of Yahweh, O children of Israel, for Yahweh has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. So what happens? There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. So we begin with this deep lament that there is no knowledge of God in the land. And we need to be very aware that that doesn't necessarily mean that the people did not know that there was a God named Yahweh and that he was a God of Israel. That's not necessarily the knowledge that Hosea is getting at. The knowledge here is an understanding of who God is and what God expects and how God has ordered the universe. And the lack of knowledge in the land has just meant that the people have gone out and lived in this pernicious sin. In Romans 1, 18-32, we see the same story where Paul says that people did not honor God as God and therefore they gave themselves over to debased mind. They started worshiping and serving the creation uh, rather than the creator. And they gave themselves over to do all kinds of uh, forms of immorality that led to death sexual excess certainly but it also led to uh, great oppression among the people uh, violence murder and bloodshed and it led to significant environmental degradation and you look at the world around us now and you see pretty much the same story and it's a very unpleasant pretty thing at all Un- not pretty thing at all And Hosea lays the responsibility for this at the feet of the priests. Yet let no one contend, he says, let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, and the prophet shall also stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. And we have this powerful line, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Uh, you could say here that uh, here the prophet has a, a your mom critique. I'm going to destroy your mother, uh, the, the people of that which gave you birth and nourished you. Uh, but of course, the core concept here is that if Israel does not know who God is, it's because Israel did not learn who God was. And Israel did not learn who God was because those entrusted with telling them about who God was uh, did not do their job. They did not teach who God was, they did not honor God as holy. The way that they were supposed to. Again, it's very easy just to say, well, they did not teach any facts about what God had accomplished. And uh, that might well be, but I would hazard that if you were to go in a time machine back to Israel this time and interviewed the man on the street, they would tell you, Yahweh is the God of Israel. Yahweh delivered our ancestors of the land of Egypt. But then he would have no problem going to say, and yes, we go and serve Yahweh at Dan and Bethel uh, and uh, before those statues of those calves. And not think twice about it and that's the thing is that their knowledge of god was insufficient their knowledge of god uh, was really a mishmash of some of the things from what god had said and also mixed in with the customs around them which should sound familiar to us because that's the exact situation that we tend to find in our world today Uh, that's why you know interesting back in exodus chapter 12 when god goes through the passover ritual uh, God explains that when your children ask you what is it that you are doing, then you will tell them that uh, our fathers were enslaved and and Yahweh liberated them. Um, and the whole idea is that the children are asking because children naturally ask. If you're doing something, they want to know why you're doing it. But if you're not doing it, you don't give them a chance to ask. And so when you're not participating in the embodied rituals of the people of God, you don't get a chance to ask what you're doing, and therefore that tradition does not get passed on. Uh, were given sneaking suspicions in the king's narratives that uh, the observance of the Passover was not being faithfully done and therefore the children would not have had reason to ask what's going on and therefore they would not really see the uh, community embodying the story that God had provided for them and therefore that story would not sound like their story and they would be more tempted to listen to the stories of the people around them. And that's the challenge about the faith. And we always seem to make this about instruction. Here are facts, here is information. But it's just as much about practice. Uh, if they don't see it meaning anything to you, it won't mean anything to them. And so that's the challenge that one generation learns from another. Uh, we uh, we so strongly want to disassociate that. Said so the soul that sins will die and that the sin- son will not be held responsible for the iniquity of the father uh and yes in ezekiel the soul that sins will die that children do not bear the iniquity of their fathers but the children are the children of their fathers and they tend to walk in the ways of their fathers and they are shaped and molded by their fathers in a thousand different ways many of which are 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 not necessarily immediately obvious and so uh, when you've got a situation where people don't know who god is their children aren't going to know who god is and and that is when you get this breakdown that we see constantly in the story of the people of Israel. In 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 34, Paul chastises the Corinthians that there seems to be no knowledge of God by some even in the church. And again, when he says that, if you ask them questions about what God did in Jesus, they probably could answer it. But they're not living like it. They're not letting that that information really saturate their lives and transform their behaviors. Uh, this is to the Corinthian shame, and it's to our own shame. But Here's a very important thing. People can't say, well, I didn't know any better before God. We, we, we've gotten to this point where we think that ignorance is licensed, that we can say, well, officer, I just I didn't know that was the situation, as if not knowing the law somehow justifies the breaking of the law. Uh, and that's one of those very important things that we see here, that just because the priest failed didn't mean the people could just act with impunity. Um, you look at verse 9, "...and it shall be like people like priests. I will punish them for their ways and repay them for their deeds." That just because the people did not have the knowledge the priests were supposed to give them doesn't mean that they were all of a sudden just okay doing whatever they were doing. They will be held responsible as well. And what are they going to be held responsible for? Well, they will eat but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore but not multiply because they have forsaken Yahweh to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, which take away the understanding. My people inquire of a piece of wood, and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they have left their god to play the whore. They sacrifice on tops of the mountains and burn offerings on the hills, under oak, poplar, and terebinth, because their shade is good. Therefore your daughters play the whore, and your brides commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they play the whore, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go south prostitutes and sacrifice with cult prostitutes, and a people without understanding shall come to ruin. This judgment, this chastisement was going to come upon all of them because they're doing all of these things that never entered his mind. They're inquiring of a piece of wood. They're participating in the same pagan religions as all the people around them. There's almost nothing distinctive about them, and therefore they will go the way of those who are in the world. And that's the continual danger of not really knowing who God is and his ways. But they're not just those who are ignorant because they just don't know. There's a lot of people who are ignorant and distort the truth for their own shame. And that's intentional or willful ignorance. And there's a lot of reasons for that kind of ignorance. Uh, And uh, the biggest one is that the truth is hard to swallow. That God expects a lot of challenging things. Uh, You you look at why a lot of people go from a point of faith to atheism. Uh, Atheism becomes popular because somebody has a hard time with the idea that they would have to submit to a higher power. They are deeply distressed by the existence of evil in in this world. But most often, there's something that God says is sin that they really want to do. And so if you say there's really no God, it frees you to do the thing that God tells you not to do. And um, the works of the flesh are ever tempting in Galatians 5, 17 through 24. And the fruit of the Spirit, although all recognize there's no law against it, uh, sometimes you really just don't want to do that relationships uh, are very easily to be broken. In Matthew 10, 34-39, even the most core fundamental relationships in life and family is to be forsaken in order to follow Jesus, if need be. And uh, a lot of people want to follow Jesus in some way or another, but not as far as Jesus wants them to go. Uh, people are more than willing to go along with Jesus where they agree with Jesus. It's when P- When Jesus says things that makes them uncomfortable or where they would disagree, that's where the question of faith comes in. And that's why Paul charged Timothy to preach the gospel. He warned them the time is coming when people will not endure healthy teaching, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. That they will um, accumulate teachers to tell them what they want to hear, because they don't want to hear the hard and difficult things. And the truth violates the way people want to see themselves and the world. I mean, you see this in when Jesus tells parables in Matthew 13, or in John 8, that whole uh, discussion where it's Jewish people who believe on him uh, to whom he says that the truth would set them free, and they were offended by that because that would presume that they were actually enslaved. And... People don't want to see for a lot of reasons. Uh, a lot of the Jewish people didn't want to hear because the political power was changed in John 11. Uh, the challenge there was that, well, if they're all going to believe this guy and the Romans are going to come and take away our place in our nation. Uh, their expectations for their Messiah and their in his kingdom are challenged. Um, as it's said, that uh, it's very hard to convince somebody the truth of something that if it is true, uh, would mean the end of their profession or the end of their uh, advantage. And so you see that all the time, where there's certain politically inconvenient truths that are suppressed, neglected, or denied in order to justify one's standing, one's power, one's wealth, one's influence, so on and so forth. And of course, it's always easier to maintain the status quo, as opposed to what God intends in Jesus, because the truth exposes the traditions of men. In Matthew 15, with the Pharisees saying that whatever you would give to your father and mother, you can just dedicate to God. And Jesus said, God told you to honor father and mother. Don't destroy the commandments of God because of your traditions. In John chapter 9, 28 through 41, you got the powerful illustration where a man born blind is now able to see. The Pharisees hear this and question this guy. And the Pharisees don't believe. They ask his parents. And his parents say, ask him and they wouldn't believe because of the miracle because they just knew that jesus was a sinner they knew jesus was a sinner because he did not keep the sabbath the way they thought he should and the idea that well no god is working through this man and he who is blind will see and these pharisees who claim to see are actually blind that that metaphor just works over and over and over again and and gets repeated time and time and time again that story just continues to resonate because we see that over and over again. And thus they were condemned by Jesus. It's interesting that this whole idea that they would close their eyes and hear you know, so they wouldn't see and close their ears so they wouldn't hear in Matthew 13 is also seen in Acts 28. Uh, the Paul talks about the Jews of Rome. They would not hear that Jesus was the Christ um, because they would not give up their traditions for it. And uh, the gospel then goes to the, the Greeks who would hear it and would accept it. And so that kind of ignorance there, unintentional uh, in willful, is not just out in the world, although it's, out, it's in the world in space, it's also there in the church. That a lot of Christians don't know as much about God and don't display the knowledge of God as they should. And yeah, part of it is not understanding or recognizing the truth of the biblical text, not being well saturated in that text. Uh, that uh, a lot of times, even when people read the text, they're not really digging deep into the text. They're just doing a surface reading. Uh, They read it according to the platitudes and the good Bible class answers and the we're right, and this is why we're right, doctrinal, dogmatic way. And there's all these barriers put up so that the word does not fully penetrate the heart and transform one's life and one's behaviors. And that's why we need to be diligent to to handle this as a workman who has no need to be ashamed, to handle the Word not just uh, as a blunt object to justify and rationalize what we want to justify and rationalize, but to actually use it the way God intended for it to be used, to uphold it in its context, to uh, find appropriate and relevant application, and submit it all to the Lordship of Jesus manifest in how he died for us and was raised again in power. And, of course, there's the warning of Hebrews 5 and 6 uh, where we might have been seeming to the point of being teachers but need someone to again teach us the basic oracles of what God has made known. And the uh how many times do we fall into the trap of Israel where ultimately we hear what we want to hear, we accept the, the platitudes we want to accept, and we've missed what God is actually doing, what God is actually about uh, in our fear, inadequacy, and insecurity, and we manifest no real knowledge of the God who is displayed in Jesus. And instead, we are like the world around us and we are champions of the, the pagan gods around us. Uh, with all the violence, all the devastation, all the rationalizations of inequality and the status quo. And we need to be careful about that. And again, so many times we make this all about head knowledge. And head knowledge is important, but head knowledge is to lead to transformation of the heart and uh, a knowledge of relational intimacy. That's what Hosea laments that Israel did not know its God. They may have understood facts about their God, but they did not relationally know him. They did not get transformed by that encounter. And that led to a curse in the land because the people sin with impunity, their right is left undone, and it actually creates a moral perversity where you have people saying and rationalizing, we are God's people, God will protect us no matter what, and that gives them rationalization, or cover at least in their heads, to go do whatever ungodly thing they're going to do. That's where the veil of ignorance needs to be set aside. And to realize that's ignorance, that they may have head knowledge, but if they don't have heart knowledge, they remain ignorant. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that mean that we need to have a better appreciation and rental handle on the facts of what god has done in jesus absolutely it does but it must go well beyond that where it's not mere facts that we hold out in the abstract intention but that it pervades our life and changes who we are and transforms us so that we are more like him that our knowledge goes from fact-based to relationship-based that we display our knowledge of god in who we are what we say and what we do that god will be glorified and honors all things and that we can thus promote that knowledge in the world, in not just what we say and teach, but also in what we feel and what we do. May we all seek to do so, because, again, as we have seen and we can continue to discuss, what happens when a people act like they do not know God, and how is it that people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge? Let us go to God in prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful for the blessings that you've given us in life, And we're mindful of your your care and your concern and how you've displayed all of this toward us in Jesus and you've strengthened and sustained us in Jesus and that you have given uh, him for us and that we have the hope of life in him and that you strengthen us in your spirit, that you've given us one another and all the blessings of this life and many more. This time, Father, we pray that we would come to know you better that yes, we would understand mentally and intellectually the things that you have made known in Scripture, but that we would not leave it there, that we would allow that to transform our heart and mind, that we would be more like your Son, that we would uh, suffer with him, that we might be glorified with him, that we might love others as uh, he has loved us, and that our people may come to know more about you and Jesus through us, through what we say, but what through also what we do, and how we manifest uh, the witness of your Son. Uh, we, pray, we understand that there is a, a terrible lack of knowledge of you in the land, and we see the effects of that every day. And we pray, Father, that we do not contribute to that devastation, but that we may live as lights in a dark world to lead people and guide people in your way toward your truth uh, to be more like you and your Son. And we look forward to his return, Father, that all would be accomplished and that we would share in the resurrection of life in him. And we're so thankful for all that you've done for us again, and in his name that we pray. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us. We'd love to talk more about these things and to really dig into the challenges of, of what it means to know God. And we uh, hopefully will hear you out on our social media or on our website and hope that you'll subscribe to us where you found us. And may the Lord bless and keep you until we're able to meet again.